I have my uh, Made for Mondays mug here for our new sermon series. We're starting a multiple week series uh, talking about uh, Made for Mondays and what God wants to do in the marketplace, in the school, in the home, in the neighborhood. And uh, these are limited edition. They are for sale at all of our campuses. $5 just covers our costs, but uh, there's a thousand of them. And at a church of 8,000, that makes them limited edition. And uh, <laughs> you, you might want to get one for the series. Um, I will tell you this, it could be an opportunity for you to share your faith. We've been talking about that, and we'll use that in, that, in the series. Talking about how do you share your faith in the marketplace, the school, wherever. And uh, maybe even just simply by buying a mug like this, putting it on your desk, somebody will ask you a question. You could talk about the sermon series, see where it takes you. Um, if you get one, guaranteed revival at your workplace. Actual results may vary. No. But uh, it's interesting what maybe a mug could do or an Easter invite card or even going on a global team. When you do something that just says, uh, my faith is active, it's part of my life, and I want you to know about it, God can use it in an amazing way. Um, I think about people that have gone on global teams. And they tell me, they say, you know, I went on a global team and I put in for the vacation request. And then my boss asked me, like, why are you going to Swaziland? And then I was able to share my faith with my boss. Uh, another person said they were talking to their team and telling them to cover, you know, everything at work. They're going on a trip and they're going to Vietnam. And, and they're like, why are you going to Vietnam? And they said, well, we're going over there with a the global team with the church and able to share their faith. So you never know, a global team, a mug, something like that could uh, help you to share your faith. But again, if you want one, I had one guy, he's like, I bought one for everybody in my company last night. They're made for Mondays. And uh, I love it that you're going to grab hold of that and use it. But we're going to talk in this series about uh, the difference between sacred and secular. I think that many of us have a misconception that you're like, the pastor's job, that's holy. And the rest of us, that's just secular and it doesn't matter. And, and if only I could have a holy job. We're going to talk about um, business ethics. We're going to talk about when you hate your job, what should you do? We're going to talk about if your work becomes an idol, if you're a workaholic. We're going to talk about seeing your work as a mission field and realizing that God has something for you to do there. And I, I know that there's many of you that could uh, give me better illustrations. You could say, Pastor Rob, you know, you're in the church and you're way outside of that world of the marketplace. And you're right, but I did live there. And so as I was, I was, I was preparing this series, I had to go back to the days in, when I started the church. 21 years ago, I started the church. Beck and I, and if you've not been to Next, you've not heard this, but we financed the whole church on Visa Gold credit cards, $100,000 on our credit to start the church, and a uh, little bit crazy and a lot of faith. And when, when we were there, I was working at Circuit City, and I was selling appliances. And I, I know what it's like to be in the marketplace. I was getting nothing from the church and little from Circuit City. I was in sales and doing that. And I can remember standing up for what I believed and realizing, like, I have an opportunity in the marketplace to have a ministry right here. I can remember they said there'll be a team meeting, mandatory team meeting from now on, on Sunday mornings. And I said, nope, nope, I go to church on Sunday. I can't do it. They said, it's a mandatory team meeting on Sunday mornings for everyone. I said, I go to church on Sunday morning. I, you can fire me, you can let me go. I'm one of your better salespeople, but I am not gonna be at the Sunday morning mandatory meeting. And they said, mandatory meeting for everyone except Rob on Sunday morning. <laughs> okay, I've been there, all right? 
I know what it's like to talk to my coworkers and to be able to minister to them. Maybe they had a crisis. Maybe they came in hungover. Maybe there was an opportunity for me to minister to them. I was like a chaplain at Circuit City. I remember what it was like to invite them to church. I was starting the church. Nobody was here. I, mean, I, was, I was like, will you come to church and stay awake, please? You know, come with me from Circuit City, okay? I know what it's like. So I, I went back there. And of course, I've talked to many of the people on our team and in our church. But I believe this. God has a ministry for you on Monday. Eight of you believed it. You're like, no, he doesn't. I'm trying to escape Monday. I skipped a Tuesday. Come on. You were made. Turn to your neighbor and say, I will make a masterpiece of Monday. Come on, do that. I will make a masterpiece of Monday. <laughs> you guys need a lot more work with this than I thought. All right. Seriously, we're going to talk about this because do you know you spend most of your time either at work or sleeping? The two things. And it's interesting, going into Easter, we're doing a series that deals with work, you know, with Made for Mondays. And then coming out of Easter, we're starting a series that is related to sleep. I'm doing a series on dreams. So we're going to do a series on work and then on dreams. And, and the dream series was inspired. Becca and I, on our sabbatical last year, uh, did Airbnb. We'd rent people's homes and, you know, while they were gone. And it was, we, we fell in love with Airbnb. And... Um, we were in the first home at Airbnb and there's a huge bookshelf. So I thought, I wonder what this lady is into reading. And it was interesting, just a, an eclectic mix of all the different things. You know, it had Purpose Driven Life and Gandhi and this. And, and, and I noticed a whole row on dreams. And so I just started researching. I think people are interested in dreams and God speaks to us in dreams. And you need to learn if it's a God dream or a pizza dream. How many know there's a big difference, right? <laughs> yeah, don't base your future on pepperoni. All right. But... Let's look at work now. Let's look at the fact that I believe you're called. I believe you're called to make a difference in the marketplace. You're called to make a difference in your school. You are called to make a difference in your neighborhood. And my hope in this series is that you'll see the value of this, that you're building the church, that you can take that calling to a higher level. I'm praying that you'll realize that there is a faith and work movement there's something going on. I think it's bigger than just a sermon series. There's lots of books. There's lots of, of, of stirring that's going on right now. I know that I'm, I've been uh, working with John Maxwell and he's got a ministry with salt and light. And he's saying he wants to, uh, us to be salt and light in the marketplace. And at the end of his business seminars now, he does a bonus session and he has an opportunity. He said, now this is bonus. You don't have to stay. This is not business principles. This is a personal life principle. And, and he's able to share his faith with all these business people. And he's seeing in the marketplace a huge ministry. And I believe you've got to grab hold of this. God has a ministry for you in the marketplace. God has a ministry again in the school, in your neighborhood. You were made for Mondays. Most people work 40 to 60 hours a week. And the people that you work with, many of them will not go to church. They will not go to church. Now, sad thing is, most of us will never invite them to church. Do you know that the average church has about 2% of the people that actually invite someone to church? 2%, 2%. I'm praying for our church that it'd be 100% that you'd say, I want to invite someone. Do you know that if you invite them, about 70% of the people that are invited will at least attend once. I pray that we'll go way outside of that. But whether you invite them or not, you know what? You work with them. 
You have the opportunity to make a difference where you're at. You have an opportunity to be a chaplain, to be a minister, to be somebody that is called to make a difference there. So I want to dig into this. And in this whole series, you just, I want you to grab hold of this, that you have a calling, that you are called. Let me just, I, I want to hit that right now. Um, you are called. You may be a plumber, but you are called. You may be an architect. You're called. You may be a teacher. You're called. We know we say pastors are called. Yes, there are pastors that are called, but you're called. You'll understand in this that you are called to make a difference and that what you're doing for God makes a difference for him. Let's not sideline ourselves and say, well, they're called and we're not. We're down here. They're up here. I'm telling you what, you are ministers and I want you to grab hold of this. So let's dig into this. We've got to realize, first of all, that work isn't bad. And we talked about this last year in our series by design, but just a few minutes, I want to recap some of that. We serve a God that is for work. We serve a God that is working. The Bible opens up not with a cosmic clash of good against evil and, and, and all of a sudden then there was creation. It was God at work creating. And the Bible tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was working, creating. And then the Bible tells us that he rested from his work, from his creation. In John 5, 17, Jesus heals on the Sabbath and it says this, in his defense, Jesus said to, said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. So God's working. When Jesus was here, he's like, I'm working. I've got something to do. I've got a job to do. And I believe that God loves work. Work was created before the fall. Again, we talked about this last year, but in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. There's something for us to do. Work was created before the fall. It's a beautiful thing. And as much as we love vacation, as much as we love holidays, as much as we love time off, I don't know about you, but I get that stirring like I've got to make a difference. I've got to get back to it. I enjoy the downtime, but I've got to get back to it. I remember the first time Beck and I went to her parents and they retired in Arizona and we spent spring break down there and I thought, this is awesome. We're gonna go down to Arizona. I played golf every morning, golf every afternoon. And after about five days, I was like, I am bored to death. I gotta do something. I gotta do something. And, and I love that we have the breaks. And in a couple of weeks, I think every school district for our Apple Valley campus is on spring break at the same time. So Pastor Brandon is wondering if anyone will be here in like three weeks, but you know, maybe you'll all be gone, but it's great, take vacation. But let's realize work is a beautiful thing. Your work and your worship separates you from the animals. Your ability to worship God, your ability to work. Animals eat, sleep, they just live, they just exist. They don't have that ability to work like you and I do and have the value in it and realize that it's a calling. I'm making a difference with this. Think about this. If it wasn't for work, you'd be an animal. Thank God for your job. Thank God for this. And some of us need to realize this and grab this and say, God, I thank you for my job. Thank God for where you're at. Thank God for where you're at because some of you would love to be working for the church. I hear it all the time. I can't tell you how many times I, I pray with people and they're like, man, I hate my job. I just wish I worked at the church. and It'd be perfect if I worked at the church. Can I dispel that myth? It's not perfect here. We're miserable. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> we enjoy what we're, what we're doing. But sometimes people come to me like, if only I worked at the church and I could just pray and sing all day. I mean, it's like, 
It's like they think we're like the seven dwarves, like, hi-ho, hi-ho. Like we just walk around like, I am healed. I know. I, I mean, uh, we don't do that. We don't issue you a guitar when you start working here. Yeah. We give you a computer. All right. We want you to work. Okay. It's something that we do and we work and it's not a, a perfect place. But I tell you, don't think that you have to quit your job and then you'll really be making a difference if you work at the church. You are making a difference where you're at. God has you in the right place and the right time. I know that there's greed and politics and power plays and pressure and it can get cutthroat and bottom line. I know there can be gossip and I know that it's not just for the marketplace. I know that moms are living in the, the mommy war world and you're like, man, that neighborhood can get brutal. I mean, you're fighting over bottle fed, breastfed, public school, private school, homeschool, sunscreen. Who knew that moms could fight about sunscreen? You know, but I believe this. God wants you to lift your environment. God wants you to lift the neighborhood. God wants you to lift the school. God wants you to lift the marketplace where you're at and lift that. You don't have to quit. You have to embrace where God has you and say, God, you have me here for a reason. It's part of my ministry. It's part of my calling. It's what I'm supposed to do. God doesn't need us all to quit and come working at the church. He doesn't need that. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Part of that, part of that is what you do around the church. Usher, greeter, you know, kids, life groups. And again, please, please, please find your place of ministry. Go to next. Be a part of that. Get involved. And let's multiply what God does here. But realize that's not only what it's talking about. It's not like that's the only spiritual thing. You should be doing that. But we're equipping you for what you do in the marketplace, in the school, in the neighborhood. You should be going to your pastors and saying, hey, equip me. I need to know how to start a Bible study at work. Hey, equip me. I'm dealing with a difficult person. Equip me. What do I do? And how do I minister to somebody that's going through a divorce? Equip me and help me to be able to have a ministry there and to make a difference. Equip me. How do I handle profanity around me? Do you understand? We're equipping you for the ministry that God has placed you in. And Romans 12.1 says this, in the message translation, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. This is, this is my ministry. That's what you've got to say. This is my ministry, my everyday, ordinary life. I was talking to a, a lady before this service. She's like, I'm a wedding planner. She's like, that's my ministry. She's like, I'm able to place God in those moments. I talked to a guy that was a hay farmer. And he said, I wasn't just a hay farmer. It was my ministry. He said, do you know how many people I was able to pray for? Do you know how many people I led to Jesus as a hay farmer? I talked to another guy. He said, I was in sales. And he goes, do you know how many times I was able to pray with people and to have my ministry and to have a traveling ministry? He said, it was my ministry. You've got to embrace that. Mark Tedford says this. He's a partner at Tedford Insurance, and he wrote an article called Created to Work. He said, most church members are skilled and gifted in ways that are best used outside of the church walls. And for most of us, our call is to use our talents for God's glory at work. I love that. God has wired you in the way that he's wired you to make a difference. Your ministry is where he has you. 
Matter of fact, your vocation is your calling. You say, how can that be? The word vocation actually comes from the Latin word vocare. And it means to call, to call. It means when God calls a man or woman and it's the work that God calls or a man or a woman to do. That's the vocation. So that really means that you are called by God. You're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it because God has called you and you now have a ministry. If you're a plumber, you're a called plumber. If you're an architect, you're a called architect. If you're in sales, you're a called salesperson. Do you understand that? Now, if you just picked your job, God was saying, I really need you to be here. And you're like, well, I don't like that. It doesn't make enough money. I'm over here. And then that's a job. But if God's calling you to something and he's like, this is where I need you and you answer that call, that's a vocation. And now it's to be called to do the work that God wants you to do. I want you to embrace that. I want you to understand that, that it's you are called. You're a called teacher, a technician, a government employee. You're a called artist. You are called. It's not just a job. You're a minister. So stop having rules for me that you don't follow. That's good. That's you say, Pastor Rob and the ministers at church, they got to follow those rules, but the rest of us, we're below them. And so we don't, no, no, you're a minister. You're called. There's not two sets of rules. Okay. So God needs his ministers at Target to be holy. He needs his ministers at Best Buy to be full of ethics and integrity. All right. You understand? You are called to be a minister. God calls people. And in Exodus 31, he has two guys that no one names their children. Bezalel and Holiab. It's not even good for a middle name. How many know that? My middle name's Ferdinand, all right? That's bad enough. Robert Ferdinand Ketterling II. I asked Becca if she wanted to name one of our kids the third. She's like, it ends with you, baby. It ends with you, all right. If I had Bezalel or a holy ab, I wouldn't have even tried. I was like, let it go. All right. But the Lord in Exodus 31, he's like, hey, I've called these two. I've anointed them. Their ministry is to build. Their ministry is to build. And they're going to bring glory to my name with their skill set that they have. They're skilled craftsmen. And I'm going to use them. That is their ministry. And when you find your ministry, when you find your vocation and your calling, and if you're not living in your calling, I'm sure you're miserable. If you knew what you were supposed to do, you're like, I don't want to do that. I want to do this instead. I'm telling you, you're probably ministry, miserable and you need to change. But God, when you know your calling, when you understand your vocation, what he has called you out to do, your ministry, your work. When you understand, I'm going to tell you what happens. Peace floods you. Just like I said, the wedding planner and the hay farmer and, and the salesman. Additionally, this last week, Beck and I had an opportunity to talk to a, a young lady in our church. Um, she is from France. And uh, Beck and I had a, a layover. And if you're going to have a layover anywhere in the world, France is a great place to have a layover, let me just say. But we were able to have lunch with her. We were able to meet with her and she, she came to America as an exchange student and didn't know Jesus as her Lord and Savior, got saved at Apple Valley campus and then got water baptized. And it was the coolest thing I'll never forget. She wanted all of her friends back in France to be able to see her water baptism. So her host family rented a hot tub and then did live stream from when all of her friends could be watching at night. 
And so they could do it and so that they could all see it. And so I water baptized her in the driveway so all of her friends in France could see that she had given her life to Jesus. Well, we just met with her this last week. And she said, Pastor Rob, Becca, she said, this is so great. She goes, I know what I'm called to do. She said, I've been struggling. I've been trying to figure it out. And she goes, I know that I'm called to be in the hotel industry. God wants me to run a hotel. Like, I, I know that I'm going to make a difference for him there. That's how he's wired me. And it just, it felt like exactly where I was supposed to be. And I'm going to bring the light of Jesus into a five-star hotel. That's what God wants me to do. And the joy that was on her face, she's like, I know where I'm supposed to be. And I said, and you know you want to give discounts to your favorite pastor, right? Yeah. <laughs> But the joy, the peace that was there. Hay farmer, wedding planner, salesperson, luxury hotel. When you know where you're called to bring the light of Jesus, where your ministry is, you don't think you have to quit that to be in the ministry. You realize you are in the ministry. You are, there are some people that are called to equip. And I thank God that I'm able to get paid from equipping people. But God just needs a few people doing that so so many can be where he needs you to be, where he needs the church to be. Additionally, with the peace that God gives you, there's a reward for doing what God has called you to do. And I love what John Bevere shared at our, our guys' night, at our men's night that we had this last summer. Um, John was coming to town for uh, the Ryder Cup. And I said, John, if you're going to be in town for the Ryder Cup, you got to do a guy's night for us. You know, he loves golf. And he's like, let's do it. So he did a guy's night for us. And he shared an illustration that was so incredible that so many men came up to me and said, that set me free. I understand where I'm supposed to be now. I get it. So I'll just, I'm trying to recreate the illustration that he did. But he talked about this from 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 3 and from 1 Peter. He talked about us giving an account as believers. Not lost or saved, but giving an account as believers and standing before God and God saying, what did you do with the ministry that I gave you? The ministry that I gave you in the marketplace, the school, the neighborhood, or maybe in full-time ministry, pastoral ministry. But he said, they're all ministries. And he said, you're going to stand before the Lord. And in his illustration, he said this. Imagine standing before the Lord and he says, Accountant Anderson, please come forward to receive your rewards. You mean Pastor Anderson? No, Accountant Anderson, please come forward to receive your rewards for what you did on earth. No, no, I was Pastor Anderson. Remember, I pastored that church there. No, no, I called you to be an accountant. I needed you to be, I wired you to love numbers. I wired you to be in that spot. I wired you to actually become a partner in that accounting firm, to have a godly accounting firm in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And I, 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 I wired you that way. And you were going to fund a bunch of kingdom builders. And you were going to global teams. And, and you were going to witness to people in the marketplace. And you missed it. And then he said, imagine in that same scenario, you know, Judge Johnson, or I'm sorry, Pastor Johnson, come forward. And he's like, no, you mean Judge Johnson. No, Pastor Johnson, I called you to be a pastor. No, I was judge. No, I called you to be a pastor and you're going to pastor that church. He's like, just do what God has wired you to. He's going to hold you accountable for what you did. He's going to reward you for the things that he wired you and gifted you, that he vocared, that he called you out to do. And don't think like, well, I have to be in, in pastoral ministry to make a difference. You have to be obedient to the way God wired you. You have to be obedient to what he's called you to do. And he needs you to make a difference there. While I'm on it, let me just talk to our 500 missionaries. 
We set a goal as a church to send out 500 missionaries. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest missions goal ever by a single church in the history of the church. Okay? We don't know of another church in the history of the church saying we want to send out 500 from our body. 500. Matter of fact, when I was in that missions meeting last week, they kept saying, you are sending us more and more people. And the best, I mean, we are overwhelmed with the people that you're sending us. We want to send out 500 missionaries, but I want you to think about this. Some of you are wrestling, like, I think I might be one of the 500 missionaries, but I didn't go to Bible college. I don't know Bible college. I didn't do that. How can I be one of the 500 missionaries? Okay, if you were feeling the Holy Spirit calling you to be a missionary, you're right. That was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could be using you to use business as mission. God could use your giftings to go into a limited access or creative access country and to be a missionary there where others can't go. Can you imagine that? I mean, if I try to get into a limited access country and they ask for my college transcripts, and this might be a surprise for some of you, and I put down there, Jimmy Swaggered Bible College. How many know I'm not getting in that country? <laughs> you're like, I can't believe you're our pastor. All right, yeah. <laughs> How many know that if you put down St. Thomas, Concordia, U of M, Wisconsin, Harvard, Stanford, how many know you have an opportunity to get in places that I can't go into? Do you understand that your giftings can take you there just by being somebody in a country, maybe teaching English, just by being somebody in a country, running a business and using your skill set, you can proclaim the name of Jesus in places others will never go. I'm not convinced that 300 of our missionaries that we're sending out shouldn't be marketplace ministers. Instead of traditional proclaimers, I believe that God wants us to send marketplace ministers that maybe that country will even pay your bill for being in that country. Think about that. You wouldn't even have to raise any money. You're like, business is mission. Then you could employ people that come to faith in Jesus Christ and maybe lose everything for following Jesus. And then you have a company there and you can hire them. Maybe you'll be the first person that's ever prayed in their presence. They've never heard the name of Jesus even uttered over a meal. And your meal prayer could start a missions work. Do you understand? God is using your gifting, your talents, your skill set to make a difference. Don't disqualify yourself in thinking that's real ministry and this is not real ministry. It's ministry wherever God has you. It's your calling. Grab hold of it. And I want you to realize we need to stop making it two worlds. We have like this upper world that's like holy ministry and then work. It's wrong. It's wrong. A.W. Tozer in The Pursuit of God says this, one of the greatest hindrances to the Christian's internal peace is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. But the state of affairs is wholly unnecessary. We are in this dilemma and the dilemma is not real. It's a creature of misunderstanding. There's no foundation for this in the New Testament. Ed Silvoso, in his book, Anointed for Business, talks about, you know, that we have this misconception that church is only what happens inside the building. No, you are the church. The church leaves the building. There's a misconception that business people are not as spiritual as, as pastors. That's a misconception. God wants you to do miraculous works outside these walls. We're going to look in the Bible. We're going to see that most of the miracles were outside. Outside. 
There's a misconception, he continues, that the marketplace people just need to make money. That's all they can do for good. That is a misconception and a lie. Now the Greeks gave us this, and I'll close with this, this dualism. The Greeks gave us this, they gave us many things, but they gave us this dualism that there's a higher realm and a lower realm. And we started putting things like that's higher realm, that's lower realm. Augustine in fifth century AD, he added to this and he, he was trying to say, well, what's higher realm and what's lower realm? And Augustine, as he's leading the church, he's like, work, lower realm. And so we've got this dualism and it's wrong. And I want to give you one last illustration to help you understand how you should see the way you live in this world. Christian Overman, in his book, Assumptions That Affect Our Lives, says this about these two worlds. And I want to use the, the TV here in the slides. He said, this is how many of us, again, dualism, the Greeks have caused us to think this way. There's the sacred higher, things pertaining to the spiritual, eternal, unchanging upper realm of God in heaven. Those are the higher things. And then we have secular, things pertaining to the physical, temporal, and changing lower realm of humans on earth. And we categorize it. We say like, you know, church, yep, definitely here. Work down here. If only I could work at the church, then I could be in the upper realm. And he's saying this is wrong. And I love what Christian has to say about this. And I'll give you this last illustration. He says we should see it like this. Church, school, art, home, music, drama, sports, business, labor, law, labor, agriculture, sex, medicine, as this big sphere. And he's saying this is the world we live in. And God wants us to use all of these things for his glory. And he says when we move them towards God in harmony with God's design, these things are good. And when we move these things in conflict with God's design, it's evil. I want you to grab hold of this. It's not an upper and a lower. It's, it's a world that you're living in. And God needs all of us to grab hold of this, that we're in ministry. You are moving the company into the things of God when you have business ethics and when you stand up for your faith. You are moving the school into godly things. You are moving beautiful art. You are moving these things that way. We need to work against the world that wants to be in conflict with God's design and pull all these things this way. Some of you need to get this picture. Like you're in a sphere. You're in, you know, that, have you ever seen that big inflatable ball? You know, that they call it the Zorb. You're in one, baby. You are in one. It's not upper and lower. And here's the thing. You are either moving that sphere towards the things of God or you're moving it away. That means that if you're a realtor, you can be a godly realtor, elevating that and using it for God's glory. That means if you're a lawyer, you can be a godly lawyer, elevating that. You can take, if you're a mom, you are in that neighborhood, you are in that family, you are elevating it in the name of Jesus. It's a calling. It's what you're called to do. I need you to grab hold of that. Stop separating upper and lower and realize that God wants you to be in this world making a huge difference. You are a minister. You are a minister. Imagine ethics on Wall Street, beauty and art, profit with a purpose, fair trade, attention to detail, incredible music, godly laws, schools that shine bright for Jesus Christ. You can move your sphere towards the things of God because you're a minister. You were made for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Come on, you were made for that. You were made for it. So Lord, I just start praying right now. I pray for all of these ministers, ministers. That ought to send a shockwave through us right now, Lord. Ministers, 
I'm surrounded by a bunch of people now that are ministers as we're praying right now. We're surrounded by a bunch of people that have vocations that are called up by God to do something. And I'm praying right now they'd grab hold of that. They were made for Mondays. They were made to make a difference. They were made to lift up the name of Jesus. And I'm praying for that right now. They were made to move their sphere, their world towards the things of God and not towards evil. So God, I pray that they'd grab hold of this ministry. They'd grab hold of that calling. They'd grab hold of that right now and say, God, for your glory and for your honor, we'll move that world towards you. We'll make a difference. We will shine the light in that area and lift up the name of Jesus. For our 500 missionaries, Lord, call some even now. Call some even now. Nuclear engineers and artists and business people that can make a difference and go to places many of us could never go. Thank you, Lord, for this. We receive that in Jesus' name. We were made for Mondays. Amen and amen. Can we stand all across this place? And let's commit this to the Lord by singing this song, All That I Have, All That I Am, I Give to You, Lord. Let's sing it. prayer teams to make their way on up here and get ready to pray for people. And I think there might be some here that say, I, I, I thought I was part of the 500 missionaries, but I just, I, I disqualified myself because I was a nuclear engineer or this or that. Hey, if you're a nuclear engineer, we could send you to North Korea. We could send you to Russia. You could start a prison ministry or something. You, know? you understand? You could go places. Hey, there might be some of our 500 missionaries and you really, you disqualified yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. Uh, you, you might need to come up for prayer and say, I need to answer the call. Now I understand it. There, I believe there's people here who say, you know what, I have not been a good minister at Target or my company or my school or the neighborhood. I've not been a minister and you need prayer right now. They'd love to pray for you that you could step into that role of being the minister that God has called you to. You might have concern for someone in your company and you really, you're like, they're, I'm ministering to them. These are people I'm caring about. These are people that I'm really like pastoring in a way. They don't go to church and I'm trying to help them. We'd love to lift up their needs. We'd love to pray for you. And if you came with any other need, whether it's physical, spiritual, you need a job, 
we would love to pray that God will help you, that God will give you the breakthrough, all right? We're gonna sing it one more time. All that I have, I give. And just see it like my ministry, Lord, my ministry, where I'm at, my vocation, my calling, I give it to you. And as we do that, people come forward for prayer if you need it. And prayer teams will stay to pray. And you're gonna have that opportunity now. God bless you. Have a great week serving the Lord. But let's sing it one more time. All that I have. Be blessed as you leave this place. We'll see you next week.